0: say um your job sucks dude <laughs> uh yes yeah, so jake was out for a week and i had to be jake and you were diet jake Diet, jake you were people you, don't leave you alone dude they don't all day all day they talk to you <laughs> and so all day they were talking to me and i was like what am i supposed to do anything i can't do anything all it, it's a job just to chalk to talk to people and then you don't have time to do the things, and then you get to the end of the day, and then you you look at yourself and you're like, "What did I
1: do?" It wasn't always this way. I mean, like when we when we were growing and we had you know you know five to ten clients, and then we got even to like twenty clients. It wasn't always that way. I like, I could get work done. I mean, before we even hired our, our you know Courtney, uh, and it was just uh, you and me. Mm-hmm. We were able. I was able to facilitate the website build and communicate with all of the all of the clients, and then now it's at a point where it's, we have over fifty, and it's pretty much just client communication and <clears throat> relationships. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It was wild. It was. Yeah, uh, it, it was too much. It was too much. <laughs> That's. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I came back from. I went to Jamaica. Um, From the 13th through the 19th. Um, and it was trying to wrap things up as much as possible. And then, but Cody had to ultimately do my job between then. And even then he's like, dude, it's just so much communication. And I'm like, you don't even know the amount of people that didn't reach out to you after they got my autoresponder and then just waited for me to come back. It mm-hmm. was no, like, terrible. Yeah. Why do you do what you do? And I don't do it. <laughs> He, he threw some shade at me on vacation. And I was like, you need to take a vacation. And you're like, yeah, not in February. And I'm like, yeah, cause that's our busiest month. And I was like, yeah, you probably have a good point there. And then <laughs> I think it was literally the next day. You go, dude, your job sucks. I see why you <laughs> took a vacation. <laughs> yep. I, I um, it was... One, it wasn't one that we planned. It was one that our friends planned because we went with uh, some friends. I met a friend on Xbox like eight years ago, and we decided to meet up for the first time. And he had been to this particular resort in Jamaica with his wife two years ago uh, during the same time frame because his birthday was, was two days after Valentine's Day. And he wanted to go back during that kind of make it his little tradition. So, But he wanted to bring us along. So that's why we went. It wasn't like a we want to go somewhere in February kind of thing. Because we really didn't, I didn't, but yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> there's there, there's like a big long silence that the listener won't know because I'm going to truncate all silence over half a second, anyways. So, um, all right, well, we'll we'll jump into the episode. So we had we had a listener uh, who asked us a particular question and wanted us to ask it on the air. So we figured we'd kind of do a whole episode around it, um, not really around the particular question, but around a topic that answers the particular question and that's really it honestly we get a lot of questions about how we handle our our billing and and the way that we structure our pricing and the things that we do bill for and it doesn't come into just questioning how we do things it kind of comes under some criticism as well and so i i I want to take this opportunity on this podcast to address one uh the criticism that we take for some of the things that we bill for and why we do it. Maybe that'll help under, people understand why we do things the way we do them, and then also just kind of um, real, uh, kind of reveal behind the curtain uh, how we operate in in terms of our our actual pricing model. So yeah, people get weird
0: about this stuff. You know, they they come back with like a, "You can't do that." There is no way. Like nobody I know does that, and all this stuff. And I am like, that's just that's such a weird knee jerk reaction to have, to having somebody say something about their business model. And then you're just like, no, absolutely not. It's, it never works that way. I'm like, if you ask me to, if you, you're you like, Hey Cody, uh, I'm thinking about this in the worst case scenario, I'm probably just going to be like, Hey, I see you raised your hand. Did you have something to say? Is that, <laughs>
1: I didn't, I didn't mean to, (laughs) I meant to mute my mic and I saw it go up. And I, I, if you watch the YouTube version of this, you see my face go, Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so
0: if people, um, if they say something like, especially this is always billing stuff that people say, you can't do that. They're not going to allow it. I've never had a customer except look, you can do nearly anything as long as you position it in the right way and you explain things and you say why, and then you get the rationale out there and that sort of stuff. Um, At worst, I'm just going to tell you, look, we don't do it or I know people who do it or I I don't know anybody who's done who does it or has done it. And it's just very strange. People are always like this with, with many different parts, especially when it comes to like PPC too, where they're like, you no, know, we always we never own the accounts. The clients always own the accounts. They always use their cards and anything, anything even remotely like this. They just become such a strange, like a crusader. It's not even an advocate. It's like I want I'm going to convert everybody to this way because it is the correct and right way. And I don't care. <laughs> Are you getting money? Right? Is the money still going to your bank account? Then
1: it's working. Yeah. And- I we, we even had a a i guess I, I guess we'd call them competitor try to poach one of our clients in texas i would never heard of them before this and they kind of they actually lived near our client and they were kind of taking shots at us because on our website we said that we own the ad account and they're like that's kind of a red flag i'm like okay brother <laughs> like that's <laughs> a red uh, flag that we tell people right up front yeah and then we post it publicly yeah, and you get full viewership and download access to all your keywords and everything. So, I don't. All right. Well, I I want to adjust the first thing, and the first thing is the actual question that came in, and it's uh, was it why why we charge CC fees or credit card fees? Was that the question? I can't remember. Yeah,
0: why okay. we why we pass them along? Because this was yet another one where they're saying I don't know anybody. Everybody I know just calls it a cost of business, and that they eat it internally. Wait, is, okay.
1: Yeah, let me set the state. So, when you process a credit card, it doesn't really matter what payment processor you use. There's always a fee, and with PayPal, I think it's three point two percent. It also varies by region too. So, like if you're in the if you're in Europe, I think it's a little bit more some places, and then if you're in the U.S., it's a little bit less. But. One of the things that one of the reasons why we left PayPal, besides their invoicing system is just terrible for like actual client lookup and information that scale, lookup, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah. we and, and we moved to Stripe is because uh, PayPal increased the processing fees. I think it was like the three point two or three point four, and for a while we just kind of ate it. We ate it. It was two point nine percent, which we passed on to our our clients, which we'll get to. And then they bumped it up, so then we had to move. It just keeps eating into our profit. Um, And then we move to Stripe and Stripe is 2.9% plus 30 cents. And we talked a little bit about this in the last episode or two episodes ago. uh, But when we started doing processing fees, it was because we didn't charge. And we'll get to this one later. We didn't charge a percentage of ad spend. And it's a whole culmination of things. If you don't include ad spend on your invoicing, Processing fees aren't that a big of a deal because it's only eating into pure profit. Uh, but if you do charge ads, but if you do maintain the control of the ad account and you do spend that money on behalf of your client, or you do have cost of goods sold in your model, then you're going to be eating 2.9% on money that you're not even making. So if we bill $1,000, where 500 of that is our management fee, and then 500 of that is ad spend, We're going to eat 2.9% on the ad spend, which we're not even like taking in as profit. We're just giving that directly to Google. So that's just eating further into our margin. So if we extrapolate that and we say, okay, well, what if our client has uh, $100,000 in ad spend just in in a world and our management fee is $500. Now I get inherently that's a bad business model. (laughs) It's a bad business model. to have only $500 management fee and then $100,000 in ad spend. Let's just say we did. This is just for the sake of extrapolating. 2.9% 2.9% on a hundred thousand. Let's just say a hundred thousand five hundred, Cause that's what this is here. Times 0.029 is $2,914. 15 if you round up. So if our management fee was 500 and we, we ate a 2.9% processing fee, we would be negative $2,400 just by charging the client and running their card. So initially that's why we started charging it. Uh, now we we changed this after a while, and I'm like jumping topics because I realize that a lot of our the re, the reason why we do things are tied into each other right it's all interconnected, yeah, so we could change this, but we decided that we looked forward and we were like, this is actually a bad business model. we need to be able to earn more money for increased ad spend, so what we do now is we have a charge on ad spend that exceeds the management fee. This is always like super confusing to explain to the clients and why we don't just do it at dollar like number one. And we just find it, I find it to be like a value thing. It's like most, most agencies are going to charge you a percentage on ad spend from like, you know, spending $1 and up where we create a buffer in there. That's like your, if your management fee is 500, you don't, you don't incur that. Uh, that percentage until you exceed that in ad spend, and um, because we have that, we could technically eat that processing fee. Now, um, I got more to say, but I've been talking for a while. Do you want to add anything? <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know that I have a ton to say about it. I just don't. I, I, this is a non-topic. I think like <laughs> you can. Some people pass through their fees. Some people don't. Um, we we don't charge anything if you pay via ACH, right? That's we do that because it's low enough to eat the fee and, and we want people to do that. That's the preferred way is that you set up your subscription on ACH and then we never have problems. Um, mm. So it, it's also incentivizing in that way for people to do that as opposed to saying, hey, we pass through the, the CC. Um, if, uh, so here's, you know, um, what everybody else is doing. If they are eating their CC fees is they're just increasing their management fees or whatever they're, you know, whatever you want to call it, how they're making money to eat that. And okay that's fine. Um, Then there's just a different perception to the client then, too. It's they have these as memes, right? There's the Drake one where it's like, what? This is. $30 plus $10 shipping and then you don't like it. And then it's like $50 all included. Great. That's awesome. I totally (laughs) want to do that. Um, so it, I don't, I don't care. I don't know. There's, I think early on, um, very early on Jake and I talked through a lot of these things and you totally should. This is important to, especially if you have a partner talk through these things, come to agreements, if nothing else, just because it makes you guys uh, better at working together. Right. Um, but, The actual answer usually doesn't matter as much as you think it does. Whether or not you decide to eat these things or pass them through is not that by itself is not the thing that's going to make or break your agency. Right. There's much more critical things (laughs) involved here. So more than anything, pick what you want um, and then don't be a crusader about it don't don't be the don't be the the guy or girl who's like well this is the only way and it is everything else is wrong and yeah you know, it's just that's not helpful
1: and it's just not true either yeah i i made two notes here and that we used to not have an ACH option when we were at PayPal we only had credit card or you could send a check to our PO box and i remember we had we had a pretty i would almost say heated discussion about not accepting checks to the P.O. box because you want to yeah. be fully remote. You're like, I don't even want to have to go to a P.O. box. Yep. And uh, you're like, I just want to work with with businesses that are just like, yeah, I just put on the credit card. And I remember telling you that, dude, honestly, the bigger businesses we get, they don't want to pay by credit cards because they're, all the processing fees that they pay with credit card across all of their vendors mm-hmm. is a pretty big chunk. So if as long as they have an accounting department that's that's willing to cut checks for you know 50 cents a stamp they're going to and we still have a pretty decent amount of of vendors or not vendors uh clients that that pay by check i think it's like what eight maybe it's it's Um, actually not a lot
0: it's it has become a lot less i think more than anything what happened for that with me was a very big client base and then owner mismatch or a disconnect right where i i had this perspective and idea of what this was going to be like or what i wanted it to be like and this became this thing of well wrong industry <laughs> because we we do occasionally at this point get the uh the offended comment or joke where they're like yeah but who's doing checks anymore and then a lot quite a few of people yeah. in this industry in particular um our but i say that i think anybody listening to us right now would be in that same mental place of yeah, who's writing a check? I'm not writing a check, right?
1: Most, most of the listeners here, but that's the demographic difference. It's, it's usually like bigger businesses because when you have an accounting department, it's actually way more efficient to just have somebody write checks and just slap postage on it. And like, they're not getting like the pre-made stamps. They have like those stamp machines that they roll things through and it's like, like 15 cents postmark. And, uh, it's, like most businesses I've ever been in where I was in the mailing department, we still use checks. And this is like relatively recently. But I just figured like if we're going to work with bigger companies, they are going to want that option. Fortunately, when we moved to Stripe, they had an ACH option. Yeah, there's a fee on it, but it's like five bucks and we just eat it. So it, there, there's a percentage on it. It's like half a percent on something, but then it's a lot it, smaller. Yeah, it comes. So we eat that one. We give them a free option, and that's that's important. That, that's an important distinction to make. Is if you give them a free option, I think it's okay to charge CC fees. If we didn't have a free option, then we'd probably just eat the CC fee and make sure there's a there's a percentage on the ad spend. Right. Um, yeah. One thing I did want to mention is if you're in the United States, charging a CC fee is actually illegal in some states. Yeah. So. Because where you live, yeah, because our business is focused in Iowa, Iowa allows it. There's a lot of states out there who do allow it and a lot who don't. There's also a lot of loopholes, too. Like, there's like a service or a convenience fee that you can add, but it usually has to be added on every bill and not just credit card ones. So, um, there are some loopholes there. Just make sure that you can do that. Uh, I think our listener is in like North Carolina and they allow it. Um, so um, the last thing I equated this to, and the last piece of advice that I gave him was was that it does like it, yeah, it's the cost of doing business if you're transactional. And there's two di- there's, there's two different types of business models. There's a transactional one, and then there's a relationship one. And they they're usually not, or they usually are mutually exclusive. And the example I gave is if you have a transactional relationship, that's a hooker, and nobody wants a hooker, <laughs> so. <laughs> Great, great. Well, not nobody, (laughs) I guess, but uh, transactionals like Walmart. Like Walmart doesn't charge CC fees when you go to the checkout. One, because they probably have deals worked out with their with their processing vendors. But uh, two, because transactional relation, not transactional relationships, transactional purchasing and transactional events are all about how can I get your money the fastest without you having to make a second guess or without you having to reconsider. I don't want people having feeling like they have an opportunity to reconsider when they're working through a consultation with us. I want it to be very relationship-focused. When you have a service that's very relationship-focused, people are willing to, uh, you know, maybe jump through a couple of hoops to pay the correct way or do things the right way. They're not just trying to... You're not just trying to get them to pay as fast as possible because that already doesn't start off great in a relationship.
0: I've been smiling uh, because I went off into a different world for a moment there because I was thinking back to you. You just did the, the interview with Chris Walker, right?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, so Chris, yeah. Chris Walker, i legit. He had a, a live on his, all his social channels yesterday. Dude, and, February 20, uh, 23rd. Yeah. Yeah.
0: People should listen, go listen to it. It was really good. Uh, I I listened and then I had to jump out for a minute and then I'm in the car and and Jenny and I were driving down the road and I'm like I gotta listen to my bro so pull it up we got it on YouTube and stuff and there's there's a um, there's a part at the end where you're talking about the ever bro's name and stuff and then I just thought for a second because you said the hooker thing I'm like no we're in trouble again we gotta <laughs> <laughs> we gotta say something to be inclusive for the ladies or it's more relatable or something.
1: we did we have episode was episode like 63 the ever hose are on yeah that sounds great too (laughs) i i
0: want we we do get um we do get listeners that are women um which is awesome and we love it uh and we've we've had a few um emails uh come in too and just want to say it's great um and please if you are a woman listening please you know email us give us feedback um and on how we can you know do good do better all that stuff
1: yeah do that okay do next that. one okay we get a lot of criticism on this one and not necessarily from a lot of people but from like very specific people who i guess we know more about the pricing model than know or about ours but uh we take deposits so we don't just do we get criticism
0: we for that this is new to me i didn't know if we yeah did. i actually Who's, think who? i
1: don't I don't want. Sorry, to, no. I, I don't want
0: like. Don't give me names, but you know.
1: Oh, I'm going to give you a name. No, <laughs> uh, don't I, do it. It's not criticism. It wasn't criticism. It was more of kind of like he's he's just like I don't do that. But it was uh, Skyler. And so this oh, okay. this part this particular one wasn't criticism because Skyler doesn't do deposits. He just they build their web, like their clients' websites for free, and then I think I'm not sure put them into contracts like three to six month contracts or something like that to make sure their oh, website's okay. paid off, but. Okay um there's also we also have a competitor kind of another green industry marketer who also doesn't do deposits they do the same thing they do like a um a a fee and then like a monthly fee and then they put them into like a six-month contract uh we don't do contracts at all and we'll get into that later but one of the one of the things one of the reasons why if you don't do a contract you've got to offset that somehow to filter in the the clients are coming to you so we used to take very low deposits. Uh, and it was because that we didn't actually... When we start when we started out, we didn't actually take on existing websites at all. We rebuilt like 100% of them because the clientele we were getting usually didn't have websites or just had really terrible ones. And so we had to build a website and that is a project fee. So I, there's no argument with this. There's no argument with with charging to build a website. The only argument is, is oh, we don't do that because we pay for it with the monthly services in, in a contract, which is which is a business model, and and I don't think there's any argument between those two. There's, there's two different models. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, but we we slowly raise that. So our onboarding is what we call it. It's what we call it internally, and it includes primarily two things. It's it's the website build, which is eleven pages. Um, it is I've. We have three pricing tiers. this is a this is a conversation between me and Cody right now. We have three pricing tiers, uh, basic standard and premium. But like the basic one that's twenty five hundred dollars, I don't even promote that anymore. I just say standard package, three thousand dollars. Well, this is this is what
0: people do with their MVP anyway, right? The MVP exists so people do the upgraded tier anyway. The minimum viable product is meant to be the thing that exists so that you can upsell
1: <laughs> from we it. We should just call it M we should well, we should call the basic package MVP. Well, then I might. Oh, then it's clients might think. Right? Yeah, clients might think it was. Oh, this is the best one. Then this is the most <laughs> valuable product. No, minimum value. Valuable product. We call it elemental Viable. or something. Just, just yeah. very. We should just call it very, trash. Call it trash. But, and then work. they won't That's buy great. it. Uh, so the, the way that our our website works is it's. I'll explain it this way. There's seven pages on the basic model it's $2,500 for seven pages it's your home services service areas about us and contact us and then you get your thank you page for form submissions and then a privacy policy page that's seven the the standard website is 11 pages it's just four additional subservice pages and then the premium is just anything over that and like every page is $125 to add or Sometimes I do 250 or 500, depending on what it is. Like if it's a portfolio page, 250. If it's a blog with like blog posts, 500. Yeah, it just depends how much is going on on making the page. Yeah. So it's it's generally pretty standard uh, standardized and it's a lot lower cost than a lot of agencies. A lot of agencies start at like 5,000 even for those builds, but also we work from uh, templates that we've built. So it, it goes by pretty quickly and we generally wrap up the site build within an allotted amount of labor hours so it's it works for us and then uh i forgot what i was gonna say there there. um oh it also includes onboarding also includes like analytics setup so google analytics tracking with google tag manager we track form fills phone calls and emails and then which they do own the
0: the metric strategy we give to clients so their their analytics account it's just we own ad accounts all the other accounts clients are free to take themselves so we set up for them everything and then yep. we give that to them, too. And we say, this is yours. This is how it's mm-hmm. set up tracking wise. And you're good to go.
1: Yep. And then during the period, we set up the ad account. They approve it. Boom. That's the onboarding period. And uh, that's the website period as well. Once we started growing, we realized that there was actually a need for clients who had existing websites that that were actually decent that we could work with, and we didn't need to do the build. And it was actually more beneficial for us because we only had to clean up some foundational SEO. And then, two is, uh, is to set up the ad account. But there were certain elements that websites were missing that it doesn't matter how good the website was, they're still missing it, like a service areas page, a page that just like details where all areas you serve are. Um, or they might just have like a services page a general one without like specific pages that we could drive traffic to for the ads. We'd have to build those out. Uh, their SEO could be terrible, like just like multiple H1s or no H1s or, you know, they're not using localized keywords in their headers. Uh, and, or like they didn't even have an analytics strategy set up. They didn't have Google Analytics. And if they did, they weren't tracking form fills, phone calls, and emails. Can you tell I say that a lot in my, in my sales calls? <laughs> um, so... We realize that when we take over these websites, there's a significant amount of work that has to take place. Yeah, it's not 20 to 30 hours for a site build, but it is still like 10 to 10 to 15 hours to build the ad account and then also clean up some of the SEO and do some of the stuff on the site that we need to do to track. Sub tracking, yeah, yeah. So when we started charging an onboarding price regardless of whether you had a website or needed one built, and that price for us is a thousand bucks, I think. Um, but it's it's contingent on how much we spend. So sometimes we don't just charge 1000 bucks. Sometimes it's $2,000 to take over an existing website. It just depends on how much work actually needs to go into it. 1000 is just a minimum. And we used to have very low costs. I think it used to be like 500 to take over a site. And then it, like, it used to be like to build a site, we did as low as 1000 bucks to build the same level of site. And as soon as we started raising the price, we started attracting better clients clients that stuck on longer than three months or or even one month and um it was just it it wasn't even i didn't even feel like we were turning away that many people we just started to get well one it was at a point where we were getting more leads because we were ranking higher Mm -hmm. and then we stayed booked when we raised those prices and we stayed booked with good clients so that onboarding fee whether it was building a website or whether it was taking over an existing one actually acted as a gate and a filter to qualify good clients rather than just kind of take on anybody willing to pay that price.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think these two things we can talk about them in sequence, the deposits and then um, contracts or agreements because they are connected with each other. Um, The very first thing about deposits like we don't work for free anymore. Okay, <laughs> um, there was a time when we did, and um, and I'm not going to say we never work for free too, um, because we're we're not that lawyer that if you ask a question and it they send you a bill for 15 minutes of their time for a hundred bucks or something. That's not us either. So, for example, while Jake was out, we had a uh, an inquiry come in about somebody who just wanted a second set of eyes on something that they were doing. So, just one off consulting, which. We don't promote, but depending on what the situation is, we might do. And I responded to him and I just said, hey, if I can answer all your questions in under 10 minutes, I'll do this for free. Okay. Um, I don't want to, I don't care enough to to worry about this unless you make us care enough. And then in that case, you know, if this is going to take an hour, at least then we're going to have to send you an invoice and bill you into all these proper things. And um, he he was actually really grateful just to that too. And he He decided to do it himself. He sent it over when he was done, and I told him, "Look, this is all things considered, you did a good job." So, and we we got a review out of it, which was awesome. (laughs) That was good, Um, yeah. But yeah, so the 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 second part being the contracts. So we don't we don't do contracts. Um, I mean, you can be particular about your wording. We call them agreements. Ultimately, I think there are two important things here. Um, We're monthly, we're month to month with our agreements, and. We we do them because we have to have something written that shows we we're in agreement with each other and has a basic foundation of things. Um, but I told Jake early on, too, especially on my side. And, and he liked this and he agreed to um, We like handshakes. Right. Um, I, I like the handshake deal, like the old school feel of business where you just we go back and forth. We, we say this, you know, this comes up every few months where we just crack the joke of, well, that's the, don't be a dick or don't be an asshole <laughs> policy. <right? laughs> don't be a dick rule. Yeah. Um, and as long as you do that, we have no problems, right? Everybody is good. No issues with the clients.
1: <laughs> um, we said that we had that discussion with our lawyer when we were like resetting up our, um, our like LLC or articles of incorporation or whatever that Yeah, you know, the operating is. agreement. Yeah, that's it. And she's like, well, what happens if one of you wants out and you just leave the other one high and dry? I'm like, well, that, that's filed under the don't be a dick rule. And she just like <laughs> looked at us. She's like, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, lawyers don't
0: find that stuff as funny as we do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So the monthly thing, right? Um, we, you're effectively doing the same thing. Either way, right? Say, say you don't require a deposit, but you're locking clients into three months or six month contracts at the beginning. Okay, well, you're getting your same money either way. Um, if you do it up front and then you don't lock them into a contractor of a set duration, we just we do monthly, month to month. Then we're making sure we get paid, um, and and that's really the difference here. And uh, I think we we have had this now, and I'd like to bring it up. And I think it's worth mentioning here too. I really, I really like and support the monthly thing, but we, we have to have talks with clients sometimes where there are downsides to the month to month thing too. Right. And, um, one is that we need to, we don't do pro rating, right? We, it's hard enough if you run an agency and you are month to month to stay on top of billing and make sure that people are paid and, and things are running correctly and, uh, not having
1: issues. We will, we will prorate the first month. Like if they want to get started on the 15th because the onboarding period took a little bit longer, we will prorate that. Yeah. Sorry. Good point.
0: But, uh, you know, if somebody's like, Hey, it's the, uh, 24th and I want prorated for, you know, four days or something. It's like, look, we, we can't, if we allow this for everybody, we're really opening up a huge can of worms. So this is the one downside to month to month is that we expect you to pay month to month. Right. Um I shouldn't say the one because I'd said the the second one, um, and it's not so much uh an issue for us as it is the client. When you're months to months, it's an agreement both ways. So if you're a terrible person and really not good to work with, we do reserve the right on the, the with the inverse to say, Hey, um, after this month, we're gonna end this relationship. We I don't know if we've ever done that. Well, yeah, we have once, once, one time, yeah. Okay, once, yeah. Um, and and really, that's just us protecting ourselves with the uh, uh, "don't be a dick"
1: on both ways, both sides. <laughs> we, we've also ended a relationship just just because of financial advice and because they weren't locked into a contract. We could we would just like, dude, you. It's way better if you just take your money and you buy a co work space, and, uh-huh. in your, your your target area, and set up a Google Business Profile there. You'd get way more organic leads than you're getting with us right now because you're twenty miles from your target area.
0: Yeah. And I when we do that too, even even when people aren't the nicest to us, we still come to them with advice and recommendations on how to handle this next. We'll say, look, um, if you don't have a game plan at all, call Bluehost or GoDaddy and say you want to migrate your site. Um Jake is going
1: off into space. That was wild. Well, I, was, <laughs> I was like hunching over to like talking on a microphone. Cause my, my saying how my arm broke before, not my, not my arm, my, my microphone boom arm, it broke. And so now I've got this like stupid little stand that you use, but I realized I, I, <laughs> I sound, I don't like the way that it sounds when I have the mic position far away. Mm-hmm. I like to, I like to like, I like to, talk to it like it's like pillow talk (laughs) (laughs) and and I was like hunching over to do that and I didn't like that and I was like stretching my back out as like the viewer probably saw and so instead I just raised my desk up so now I feel like I'm at a restaurant when I was a child and my arms were like super high up (laughs) on the table.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. uh but yeah okay so we just we do our best to help clients if they are in those situations even if they aren't nice guys to be set up and say go talk to these people we'll cooperate with them um we're really asking you to do a minimum <laughs>
1: here and, and we will um you know cooperate with all that they need so, so the argument to the the agreement and like the being monthly is like why do i need an agreement for monthly and i i never have gotten asked that question but i preemptively Squash that objection and say like, it's not a contractual agreement. It's a scope of work agreement. All it says is that we're going to do what we say we're going to do. And you're going to also do what you say you're going to do. And like, if I say I'm going to build you a website, I need access to your website. <laughs> like I need certain elements. I need your logo. I need images. I need input. If you're not going to give me that, I'm not going to give you a deposit back. And, uh, it, well, generally I'm not going to give you a deposit back anyways, but, uh, you know, that it's it's also just kind of a fallback. We had to use it recently. Um, we had to fall back onto that scope of work agreement recently, like within like the last week, because a client, an existing client, a legacy one, wanted to rebuild their website to make it a, a bit newer. Because when we took them on, we rebuilt their website to look identical to their old one. It was just getting them off of like Squarespace and onto WordPress. And then they wanted to rebuild it into something more modern. So we did that. But they took like three months to get back to us. At one point during the summer, and so we put them to the back of the end of the to the end of the queue, and we deprioritized their site. And they responded to us like a week ago, and they were like super unhappy, super frustrated. And I was like, look, like the agreement that you signed in January of last year. Yeah, it's been over a year since we started this project. Literally states that in under our purchase terms that if you if any client takes longer than 2 weeks to get back to us we reserve the right to put you at the end of the queue and basically deprioritize you if any client uh doesn't respond to us within 3 months of the project we reserve the right to actually cancel the project and force you to pay a deposit again to get started back up of course we've never had to do that and we don't do that that's a very big dick move but it does it does protect us when, if we get to a point where we're like, yeah, we actually don't want to work with you, but if you're willing to pay again, we will. And like, we had every right to just say no, like the website project's canceled, but again, they were legacy clients. So we're obviously not going to do that. But this is also during the time, like when the communication stopped, this is also during the time between April and September of last year where we stopped taking on clients because we were so overbooked. So imagine the back of the queue they got put at. And, mm. They had admitted they're like, sorry, like we actually didn't read the purchase terms, and like, granted, like it doesn't matter if you read if you do or don't read the terms. Like they're still gonna be unhappy and like they still um, want to be prioritized. So it's one of those things where it's like it's in there to protect us long term. That way they can't go back and like leave a bad review on us because it's like, well, this is in this is literally in the purchase terms, but they can still be unhappy and annoyed and. You know, the best way that you can facilitate that or the best way that you can squash that is is make sure that you're intimately familiar with your purchase terms and that you're communicating these on a regular basis as well. So if they're about to go to the end of the queue, let them know like, hey, this is taking long. You're going to go back to the end of the queue. That's just good customer service. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh... We get to
0: do this stuff, too, because our price point's relatively low. We'll hit a point in the future, one of two things. If prices get too high or we just get to a size and scale that, uh, you know, you this, is, this happens to everybody where they have to corporatize <laughs> to some extent and then become more of those other things. Uh, but as much as we can, we want to keep things relationship driven and, and work on the handshake. Um, I, I always thought this was... But having studied Japanese at this point, especially business, and noticing the difference and stuff, I've, I've mentioned some things to Jake before too about like the the differences. And um, when I went to Japan and I was asking about accountants and lawyers and stuff, uh, the account conversation was like, yeah, 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 definitely. And then when I brought up lawyers, they're like, what for? <laughs> <laughs> what, what for? Right? You if you have beef, you talk it out, and you'll sort it out with each other, and you'll you know the the lawyers is it, a last resort, but. It always is, but it's especially there. And I think a lot of our business has become the, uh, extremely contractual down to the written stuff. And you don't get to do things like they, you know, like they used to be. And again, uh, this is something we're just going to keep fighting, uh, fighting for to keep it like this as much as we can for as long as we can, because, uh, nobody wins with
1: lawyers. I think it just has to deal with scale. Honestly. Like I just think like American companies scale faster and they deal with more variance of clients than Japanese companies do. Yeah. And because everything like a Japanese company can have like three clients that basically fund their entire business. They don't need contracts because the the relationship is so personal. Whereas like when you scale and you have just such a wide array of clients, you have to start, and, you know, it's always those rules where it's like, don't eat the shampoo in the bottle. And you're like, that's because somebody <laughs> ate this. And now we have to put it on the label. Like, <laughs> that's the same thing with like the, some of the purchase terms that are in our agreement. We didn't used to have those like two week and three month periods in there, but we do now because a lot of clients would ghost us. And I would explain this to our, our clients and say, uh, you know, we've had situations where we only take on four clients at a time. And when a client ghosts us, what do we do? Just not accept new clients because we're being ghosted and they're technically still in the onboarding phase or, you know, and then like, okay, well, we'll take on a new client because they're ghosting us. But then they'll come back and suddenly we're onboarding six people and then it's kind of like, okay, well, we've got to put something in here to say like, if you do ghost us, you have to go back to the end of the queue because we can't pause our business for you.
0: And, and it's, um, as much if people don't like it, it's still well-received. So, for example, um, Japanese country companies, they will still do contracts. It's just how contracts are perceived. So, coming back and saying this isn't in the contract doesn't work. <laughs> but it does here. If you say, if you come back to what's written um, and you say explicitly, like, here's what we agreed to, blah, 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 this sort of thing. Even if people don't like it, they'll come back and, and they'll say, yeah, okay, understood. It doesn't work over there. This idea of, because if the assumption is based on the relationship and you're saying, Look, I, I thought we had a, a, a relational agreement that we were working together. And even if this is outside of the scope, it's not beneficial to each other. Right. That's, that is how they, they will perceive things. And, um, I can get both ways, but it's like you said though, too. You don't, if, if that is your case, if that is how you're doing business, you don't get to talk to somebody once on the phone, sign an agreement and get going. Like there's a whole lot more that goes into a relationship building process. If you're going to operate with the agreement that, like we're on the same team and we are going to do
1: things that are needed, even if they aren't explicitly outlined. And yeah. yeah, you said relationship focus and that kind of brings us to the next point, which we've kind of mentioned a little bit, but it's one of the reasons why we're monthly and we're not contractual. So we've talked about this a little bit, but I'll get into the reasons why I think we're monthly and and some of it I feel is virtuous. And I think there's a lot of agency owners and freelancers Who just don't believe in like a virtuous business model they believe in a a profitable one and that's it and uh, frankly that could be it for a while but i don't think a lot of business models are like relationship focused ones or consulting ones are going to survive with that kind of mentality i think you do have to be relationship focused and you do have to care about your clients and the services that you provide so i put power to the people uh being monthly gives power to the clients on the ability to leave things that they're unsatisfied with and personally i don't like being locked into contractual agreements and so i don't i just don't think a lot of our clients would be either and so it's kind of like the golden rule do do unto others as you would like done unto yourself is that the i don't know how it actually goes i like it let's go but, with it yeah so i i put um when you uh if contracts put money first, they don't put relationships first. So if if you're really putting relationships first, you're actually you're focused on the relationship, not just how long they're going to be giving you money for. Whereas if you put a time limit on it, you're 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 automatically saying I care about the consistent stream of income. Now, you can make an argument to that and you could say, well, no, it takes you know three to six months to actually see results and I want my clients to see results. And the best way to do that is to basically babysit them and make sure they don't make irrational decisions to leave within a given amount of time. And that's a very valid point. And so if you do a contract model, those are the kind of points and rationale that you have to explain to your clients but you also may have to make sure that that's with good intention and that you're not just putting that in there to take money for six months before someone leaves.
0: This is the SEO thing, right? I mean, knowing the SEO takes time, but you, you run into situations then. So, yes, of course, naturally, SEO takes time. We know that. It takes months um, and long term takes, you know, a year and longer to really see the the major gains. But you have clients who have had two other agencies before you say, yeah, we know SEO takes time, but we pay them for six months and nothing happened, period. Mm-hmm. Right. And now you're fighting that. How are you going to deal with that? Yeah.
1: So. And that's one of the reasons why we group PPC with SEO is because we know that SEO takes a long time. So how can we drive immediate results? What happens when we take over a client that already has really good SEO? That like and that happens. Like you're not the best SEO person in the world. You're listening to this podcast. Trust me, you're not the best SEO person in the world. <laughs> All right. And if you talk
0: uh, about it, you're definitely worse than the people who don't talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which means, like, there are websites that you might take over with better SEO, but might have bad UX. And they might, they might not be running ads. And um, so it's one of the reasons why we do run ads. It's it's immediate value driving, um, and it's something that we're really good at. So. Um, but yeah, we only reference those contracts or the scope of work agreements as trump cards. So even though we're like monthly, if there is an issue with, you know, the time it takes to onboard or the information that we get or don't get, um, or, you know, one thing that's in the scope of work agreements is our, our, is our margin that we have. So like, or our our margin for error in our ad spend. So Google, you can't, it's not like Facebook ads. You can't spend exactly $500 a month there's going to be like $500 and some change because of demand driven uh, ads. So in our agreement, we we talk about uh, a margin for error each month and then what that looks like for rollover for the next month or either a credit back to the client if it's too much. So things like that, setting expectations is really what it's for. Um, Another reason why we do monthly is because we're seasonal. We understand that this industry doesn't have a pop in winter. We're in landscaping and lawn care, so there are some clients who do want to shut things off in the winter. Now, we don't recommend doing that because there are still searches happening in the winter. Again, if you're running ads with us, and they're PPC driven, that means you only get charged for ads if somebody clicks on it. So, how are we spending money in the winter if nobody's searching? That's just a fallacy. We proactively so, recommend ad spend reductions in the winter. Yeah, we right? we do we do do that. Yeah. So if you're spending a thousand bucks in, you know. The the peak months, which are like April and May, by the time we get to November, we usually say drop it out to 250 like the bare minimum. We tell people what other agencies are going to do, which is inflate your CPC,
0: spend the money, light it on fire, because it's easier to do that than to come back and say, hey, pay us less. Um, And that's just, again, the virtuous long-term play, assuming that we, I mean, it's not even virtuous. You can just call it good financial sense, too. If you keep screwing over people and taking advantage of them, it's not good for long-term business. We think it's better to come, you know, early and say, hey, uh, you're paying us too much.
1: <laughs> we, got a, we got a client that like pauses for like five months in the winter, like from October through March uh, every year. They've been with us for like three or four years and they come back every time. And I bet if we charge them every time, like they probably will not come back. And that's just, you know, another $5,000 you want to get. But we keep their ad account live, So when they do come back, it's just an invoice and flip on the, flip the switch on but the uh, i and the reason why i bring this up sometimes too when i tell clients are like should i run ads in the winter i'm like well if you ask me i'm going to say yes because then i get money from you but <laughs> <laughs> i say it all the time like during sales calls and then i'm like but uh we did do a study about this and we posted it in turf magazine and what i found was in january the click through rate is actually the, is the highest of all months which is kind of insane now That doesn't necessarily mean January gets the most searches or the most clicks, but the people who are searching are very highly engaged. But these are just, business contracts, you know, yeah, mean, in our season in in, in our industry, you, you know, customers get annual agreements right around January. And when they get their annual uh, renewal letter from their current provider, they might go looking for someone else. Maybe there was a price increase. Maybe there was a takeover and there was, you know, someone bought someone out and they're not making a decision now because it's January and the grass isn't growing but when April comes around they're going to convert so usually what i say is you know you might get $200 per lead in January and it might be way too much but the difference between spending 750 in January and spending 1500 in, in April could be the difference between an April cost per acquisition of per lead versus $30 per lead because you're running ads in January. And that usually gets newer clients to just continue with marketing through the winter. Um, All right. Next one. It's going to be a little bit of longer episode, but I think this is going to be a bit more valuable as to why we bill. Maybe it'll give people some shortcuts onto making decisions about how they bill. Um, The next one is why we pre-bill. So, We used to do this thing where we post bill, we would run the campaign first and then we'd bill afterwards. And the reason why we did that was similar to why we were monthly is we wanted to make sure that our clients got the value before they paid for the service. And I think it's a very virtuistic thing to do. However, there were certain situations where we had to do a pre-bill and that those were situations where they were upgraded to the next package up and we were suddenly dealing with a lot more ad spend than we were with the post bill clients. So the post bill yeah. clients at the time we were five hundred dollars management fee with hundred dollars ad spend. That's easy. We can find. We can put that on the credit card and we can chase down six hundred bucks and we can pay for six clients if six clients didn't pay. We started dealing with five hundred and a thousand dollars ad spend. It's gets a bit more difficult. So you're going to cut in there and say something, weren't you?
0: Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> uh, there's a there's a there's a couple ways to handle this. Uh, what I was recommended was that if we're if we weren't going to make it an, an outright switch, which is what we ultimately decided to do and just switch to pre bill um, to draw a line and say, hey, if you exceed X in monthly ad spend, you got to switch to prepaying. Right. Because it's too much money to front. So that's one way to do it. Um, I think that just across the board, moving it to pre bill is what worked for us. Um, now what I will say about that though, is you, you're going to be fighting expectations in a weird way if you do that, because if you have much bigger accounts that are used to spending significant amount, significant amounts of ad spend, they're not going to want to front that money. We are much more, uh, entry focused and then working up to a point of fiscal viability and mutual profitability, right? Like those are our big things that we like to promote and push. So usually you're coming in with uh, a, a lower ad spend to prove that things are viable first, and then you start to flood it with money as you feel more confident in the campaign performance. So if you, know, if you, have, co- uh, if you have clients that are coming to you saying, you know, I want to drop 10K or more a month, like that's my normal expectation. And, and that's, that could be on the low end, right? Let's say that they do hundreds of thousands or that. That's a whole different situation, a whole different ballgame. But um, in those cases, you're going to be fighting a weird uh, expectation, in that you're going to say, like we we recommend starting lower, um, so that you can feel more confident. So usually they'll come down like a little bit because they don't if they are going immediately from somewhere else to um, to you, and you reviewed their account and you saw that they're actually seeing some really good stuff. That also you might just be able to say, oh. We we know based on our historical performance that we can just switch over and it's going to be fine. But you just have to look at those and handle more situationally.
1: There's like a difference between doing smaller budgets and pre-billing because it's like if you're $10,000 a month, for instance, and it's it's all ad spend, you can probably get away with saying like, well, if, if you're going to be spending this monthly, why can't you do pre-billing? Because it, you're going to be doing a monthly whether you're going to do post-billing or not. But then when you work with like really big budgets... So a lot of big companies out there, Like, if you're not familiar with this, there's a term that's used called net 30 or net 60 or net 45. And basically what that means is once you invoice somebody, they've got 30 days or 45 days to pay that invoice. And this is what a lot of big companies are going to be used to. So when services are rendered, you would send them an invoice and it would say whatever the payment terms on there, whether it's net 30 or net 45, that's when they're going to pay. Now, generally there's a lot of situations of a lot of companies who don't pay within that and they still don't expect to pay a fee after that. There usually is. There's usually a percentage fee after the, after the net days have passed. But um, when you're dealing with like hundred thousand dollar budgets or million dollar budgets, like Cody used to deal with there you're generally your invoice from Google. So it's no longer on a credit card. There's like very few credit cards out there that have million dollar spending limits. So, you would get put on an invoice billing system from Google and Google's invoice is net 30. So then when you run those ads, you've got net 30 to pay those after that 30-day period, thirty day period, where let's just say like at the beginning of the month, you gave your client a net 45 billing, which means that at the at the end of your 40, client's 45-day net cycle, they would then be able to pay you the money that you're going to owe Google in, in 15 days. And that's just kind of how the invoicing the net, Uh, billing period works we're not at those ad spends where we need to do that yet because we can put everything on a credit card and we can bill everything right away to the client so um, just something to to think about there but also main reason why we pre-bill is we don't want to chase money we don't want to have to bill people and then have them not pay and then just ghost us and then you know the The amount of money that we're dealing with on a monthly basis is not enough to take the court or small claims court. So we would just end up eating it and, you know, 10 clients do it and it's just, it's not great. So it, it hasn't happened to us, but again, Cody and I have, we, we extrapolate a lot and we just decide, you know, this isn't a good idea. So we don't want to chase money. And I tell clients this in the sales call all the time. The, the quickest way to fire us is don't pay your next bill. <laughs> and it, it always gets a laugh out of them and they appreciate it uh so they and i was like well uh, i hope i don't i ha- hope we don't have to fire you and i'm just like yeah i hope so too but that's how easy it is yep. so you don't pay by the first your ads get shut down and our team doesn't work on your account and then oh. 30 days after that we shut your website down <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> yep um, and, and then we do reach out to you and try to give you a heads yeah, up. Yeah, we do. E- even, we even have automated reminders. Like you get, so we invoice on the 15th of the month, of the following month, or the previous month, sorry. So if you're getting started, or if you're running ads in March, and you already paid for March, on March 15th, you would get your invoice for April. And you have two weeks to pay that. And if it's not paid by April 1st, your ads get shut down. Well, technically, everyone's ads get shut down on the 30th or the last day of the month. And then we sequentially restart them provided yeah. if they've paid there's or a, not. There's a the great reset on the yeah. first of the month
0: in which we, everybody speeds through is you know, us and the strategist as much as, as fast as we can through billing and making sure that everybody's where they need to be. Mm-hmm. It's always fun, but it's always fun to explain to, to newbies, new strategists too and stuff and, and be like, all right, here's the mental shift, the mental difference between working on SEO versus PPC. <laughs> like, I don't care if you put your feet up in the middle of the month, if your accounts are in good shape, as long as you scramble at the end and at the beginning of the month, whereas SEO is, yeah,
1: it's a uh, more of a grind. Dude, we might go to an hour and a half on this one. Cause I an guess, hour, we really? got, yeah, we got a couple more. We're at an hour. Well, it, when I, by the time I try to create the silence and everything, it'll probably be down to like 50 minutes, but about an hour right now. Uh, sorry. I didn't have that much, but well, guys, I got three more points. So like, okay. okay, okay. okay so on the note of pre-billing, uh, for clients who want to cancel the marketing, but we host their website, we do have a hosting fee for them. And uh, on that note, too, is we, when if you're doing marketing with us and we're hosting your website, we don't charge you for a hosting fee at all. It's it, it costs us I don't know how much it costs us like ten bucks. Well, and I wouldn't even call it hosting because that
0: makes it seem like all we're doing is holding on to it. We continue to take care of your website too and do updates and make sure that you know you are good. It's not a set it and forget it where we're just. All we're doing is holding things on our server. We make sure that um, everything continues to function. If you do need things and updates to your site, we do them too. And uh,
1: that's what goes into it. It's it's updating plugins. It's making sure that nothing's breaking. It's also like, you know, if you've got 30 minutes of changes a month, we'll handle that for you. Kind of like a white glove service. If you have... You know if you need to add an s p. f or dkim record to your domain, we'll help you with that, even though it's not directly associated to like your host. it's more of, like your domain but we still we still do that and uh our we we char we used to charge twenty five bucks a month because we we're trying to stay competitive with like GoDaddy and wix in terms of pricing and what really got annoying was chasing down twenty five bucks. That was just like not something. Even though it was pre-built, it was just not something we wanted to chase down between hundred clients. So we up, updated that to what like seven twenty a year or two twenty-five a quarter, and it breaks down to like either seventy-five bucks a month or sixty bucks a month, and it's significantly higher than a service like Host HostGator or GoDaddy. But I always tell clients that like you are welcome to go there, you are welcome to pay five bucks a month with a three-year contract with GoDaddy, but the website is under your control. If anything breaks, it's on you. If you need to update any domain settings, it's on you. You've got to sit on the phone with GoDaddy for two hours. Additionally, yeah, I didn't. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, additionally, like, depending on the request, GoDaddy does charge like 80 bucks a, a token to, to help you fix whatever it is you need to fix. So uh, I always kind of pitch our hosting and kind of white glove site maintenance service as a, uh, an insurance plan.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think anybody listening to this, or I hope if you haven't yet, you'll find out the importance of good hosting, uh, and, and having good support. Um, and you, you get what you pay for. Um, and I don't want that to be an excuse to to gouge people and pay way too much for some hosting. Cause there are some hosts out there that don't do that much more, um, for how much more they charge. But hosting is a very weird business. Um, where everything is unlimited, but it's not. <laughs> and you actually have to read through the fine prints of things and, and that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I think a big chunk of it is depends. It depends the extent of things you know when it comes to uh, the blend between dev and IT. Um, you can save money on hosting things and hosting partnerships if you know a lot of that stuff. And if you don't, absolutely 100% pay the extra for somebody who does know um and can help you because man it's uh, we reach out to our um more lately more lately than ever because we've had some things come up um our reseller partners all the time and they're great i mean they've they've helped us out things that I never expected an actual uh, response sort of thing and I say that we know a lot like we we know Cody knows a lot <laughs> in cPanel we've got it right um it's just the the things that go beyond that and um if you if you're offering it as a service make sure you feel good and confident in whoever you're partnering up with for hosting uh
1: did you ever send our that that tech support guy at mdd a uh, starbucks gift card yeah i didn't check if he got it but yeah well i had amazon <laughs> but yeah <laughs> oh for that reason i thought it was starbucks
0: um, I thought about it well i thought about it and then i was like hmm what's more universally applicable right if if you don't know somebody and you're just taking a stab in the dark do you think it's going to be better received if it's amazon or starbucks and here's my thought process Mm -hmm. amazon is a little controversial now because some people don't support it but no matter what at the end of the day it's like walmart sometimes where you would you still might do it because just the convenience right you're like well it's the closest grocery store so i'm going to do it Um, who's not supporting amazon you know they're big i think some people now at this point are Uh, not only just big, but depending on what you're buying, it's you're just dealing with cheap imports at this point. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know. I I think mm, not as bad yet. Definitely not as bad. But I almost see some sections of Amazon becoming Google support (laughs) in equivalency (laughs) of value. Um, So some people could potentially be opposed that's that was my one thought there but the other, and so then it was starbucks how many people you know if you're taking a stab in the dark how many people are going to want to do starbucks it's still safe it's still relatively and even if they don't drink starbucks they can give it to somebody too um but anyway I, I thought the the likelihood was higher with amazon would you agree
1: of liking it
0: of being appreciative of it yeah so say it's a white elephant gift at christmas you're giving an amazon gift card or a Starbucks. oh yeah
1: card. It's basically giving someone an Amazon gift card is basically giving them cash. Yeah. Cause you can get anything on there. Yep. I'm yeah, pretty sure was... you could sell Amazon gift cards on the black market too. <laughs> Just be like, be like, I'm Hey, sure uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, Hey, I don't, you know, I I want Starbucks. I'll trade you a, a $10 Amazon gift card for, uh, for, you know, I but I bet you can get a $15 Starbucks gift card. You think the ratio is higher. You can trade out probably because like, the fifteen dollars Starbucks gift card is only good for coffee and like the treats, whereas like a ten dollars gift card for Amazon is worth for anything. Well, right, offshoot. How often do you go to Starbucks? Um, probably like just like Sundays when Lauren and I go grocery shopping at Target. Wait, so you you probably go every week? No, um, we usually like it's usually like a treat, maybe like every other week. Okay, I don't I don't go a whole lot. Um, because I don't like a lot of sugar and, and and like fatty drinks and I just can't see spending $5 for a black coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why? I
0: just, I don't, I, um, I think my sister, it depends where she's at in her life. You know, sometimes she's like on a financial kick or something, which she's, she's good with money, but, uh, I think on average she has to go at least once a week. At least mm. once a week, if not more often. Yeah, and I know I, think, I see I I've seen the fine. people do the app thing,
1: where yeah, Lauren does goes, that. Does she go frequently enough? Where she like does? So, so she she works at a she's an executive at Macy's, so she works at a lot of different Macy's and a lot she of got Macy's. Because yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of Macy's has Starbucks in the store, and so oh, she really? she yeah, so she gets an employee discount at those Starbucks's. Uh, so, and she'll, she'll also buy coffee for her team. That's nice. And when her team buys it, they'll like, I, I think they like give it to her or like she'll get like, I don't know, money from her team or whatever. So I, I don't know the logistics of it. Ultimately, she ends up getting a bunch of points for free. And then so she'll go and get her own coffee for free.
0: Okay. I, so think, the, I think she's one of the, the women that I've seen. Like this was... I don't know when this happened. There was a point in time in my life. This is probably a couple of years ago at this point, where I was working at Starbucks, and this was in West Des Moines. Okay, so if that's any demographic, you worked at Starbucks? In- yeah, yeah, I had to. Yeah, what? I did not know this. No, no, sorry, I worked physically at starbucks but i wasn't oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay you okay
1: gotcha you know, i'd blow my brain you, you were I, man, <laughs> stuff yeah. have to deal you were on. you were working on your computer at a starbucks table yeah in west okay. des moines um,
0: okay. which means nothing to nobody uh, here or nothing to anybody here but you can imagine uh, the demographic of people that are going through west des moines starbucks which are pompous uh, Yes, that is the best word that you could have used. <laughs> and I'm, I'm seeing... Entitled. <laughs> I'm seeing them do things on their phone as they're walking in. And then just like do a, a side swipe thing where they grab the coffee and go. And I saw this happen like five or six times. And I'm like, this is like a an anthropological experience for me as I'm watching. I feel like I'm at the gym or like <laughs> in National Geographic. Just what I'm watching. I'm like this is a lifestyle thing. Like this is part of their routine. This is not a one-off thing. Like they do this, if not every day, uh, several, multiple times in a week. I don't
1: under, I don't understand people who do this. It's a subgroup. I think. Well, it's (laughs) going off topic, but I like this conversation (laughs) because it's, it's fine. They're able to do it every day. And that's, that's five bucks a day just for a coffee. Mm-hmm. that's if if it's just a work week that's 25 bucks a week that's $100 a month but then you tell somebody about like hulu like the like hulu live which is like 80 bucks a month and they're like i can't afford that i'm like you're spending $100 on coffee a month <laughs> like <laughs> i i just i don't understand it and i refuse to get black coffee when i could just buy you can you can buy a the starbucks blend of coffee at walmart That'll last you all month or -hmm. maybe like, you know, twice a month. And it's, and you'd save half, more than half of what you're paying for. Yeah. I I just think it's almost
0: cults too far. It's not a cult. It's a, it's a religious experience or something for them. And that, that, I think that that has a higher, it's a lower percentage of people, but a higher dedication than the Amazon users who, even if they're anti-Amazon,
1: they will still reluctantly use their Amazon stuff to buy things. Where are those old guys that are complaining about the Gen Zers <laughs> and the way they live their life? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's Gen Z with the, the Starbucks, though. There's a, there's a dude I watch on YouTube. Laura and I both watch him on YouTube. And he lives in a, like a trailer house. It's not a kid with a camera. So I, I, it's not that dude. He doesn't live in trailer House anymore, but we watched this other guy and he's got a very low following, but it's just fun. He's just fun to watch sometimes. And like him and his wife get Starbucks every time and like they don't make very much money. I'm like, you guys got to stop spending money <laughs> like that. You're never going to financially recover. <laughs> he's like, thank you for your unsolicited advice. I will keep my Starbucks life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes me happy. My teeth are falling out. I'm fine. <laughs> uh okay let's move on um i got two more things one is why our monthly pricing is so low so we charge a 500 dollars management fee for our our i feel like i rolled into that and i didn't give any warning i was just like all right that was a fun detract we're, we're back no, on it was necessary
0: I, I went off i yeah. just wanted to. that was important so it wasn't but it was
1: uh yeah so for five months of starbucks you can pay for one month of our management fee and uh But it, <laughs> it's uh it is relatively low. But we talked about this before, so I don't want to get too much into this, but we we have an internal hourly billing rate of $125 an hour and we only allocate four hours to a particular client on that base management fee. So whatever our management fee is, whether it's um five hundred dollars whether or whether it's a thousand dollars that will determine how many hours that we should be spending on that account if it's $1000 we should only be spending 8 hours on that account um, if it's 650 then we should be spending you know between 5 and 6 hours on that account sometimes we spend more hours than we should on an account sometimes we spend a lot less it just it kind of bounces out it just it becomes an issue when we're consistently spending more hours on our on an account or our client starts to ask us of too much and then we have to have that conversation with them and say look everything in business is done on an internal hourly really internal hourly billable rate and it doesn't matter whether you're value based you have a value based model whether you have an hourly model whether you're productized if you don't know how much you're worth per hour and how much your costs are per hour, your business will fail because all a service based business is, which is what we are, is uh labor arbitrage, and that's literally it. We buy and sell labor from we buy it from our employees and contractors, and then we sell it uh to our our clients and that's what they uh, do. It, we went from relationship driven to labor arbitrage. <laughs> <laughs> There's a happy. It's like a Venn diagram. Just we're yeah. right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're the blend. We're the overlap. <laughs> so, uh, so yes. Uh, well, any service based business is labor arbitrage. So, if you don't know your labor costs, you don't know uh, what you don't know what you should be charging in order to stay profitable. I always like the, the little bump that gets included in like a low-key political commentary, and then we're like, swoop
0: back out, get out of here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You had this, I saw you posted in a landscaping forum or landscaping group yesterday, where there's a landscaper who was talking about how they, they made $16 an hour for a landscaping company, and then they started to do it on the side and were charging $20 an hour, and they were like... I need to, uh, you know, I I need to upgrade to 50 and start charging my new clients that they're like, but I just don't feel good about my old clients. And that's when you kind of came in with the business. You know, the Marcus Lamona's profit first, not profit first, um, the profit from NBC. And you were like, uh, you know, like, well, at a certain point, like you have to have that realistic conversation with them. Like, this is how, what I have to do to stay profitable as a business. Yeah. I just pulled it up if you want me to say it word for word, because I I felt
0: good about it. I do I said fiscal viability is as quote strictly business as it gets uh you need higher pricing that supports a legitimate business. they may need to come up with a different solution because it's out of their budget. Both of those can be true, and you can still like each other right mm-hmm. yep. um, so it is it's it's a cliche and to say business' it's just business, it's not personal, but no matter what business does on some level get personal but that's this, the money, it's as business as it gets. It works or it
1: doesn't. Yeah. All right. Last one. Uh do we have we charge a fifteen percent ad spend fee after management. So I think fifteen percent is generally pretty average for a lot of um percentage of ad spend based fees. I, I've seen as high as like twenty five percent and as low as probably about ten percent, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's usually, it's usually right between there. So we do 15% and, uh, we do that because once you start spending more money, you've got to pay more attention to the account. There's, you're going to have a lot more data to work with. And then also your budget pacing has to be on point because you, when you work with bigger numbers, you ha you incur higher risk, um, punching in one too many zeros or, you know, again, sending, setting a daily budget instead of a lifetime budget, um, It's also a way to protect yourself and make sure that you're profitable and don't take it taken advantage of. If somebody has a million dollars a month to spend and you're charging a $500 management fee, the the scales aren't very fair. Yeah. So it's not just a way to to dig deeper into into someone's pockets, but everything is a little bit like this in terms of like, one, it it is going to take us more time to to manage the account and make sure that we're spending the right money and the right keywords and, and, um, you know, facilitating that kind of financial advisor mindset that we have with that kind of money. Um, but also if something goes South, is our management fee enough to help cover that, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, that's why savings is important too. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I hope when this episode gets released in like a year on YouTube, people notice the light behind me <laughs> out of my window. We started this at 6 a.m. Uh-huh. This, this episode and is now it was dark <laughs> through that window. And now it is light. The sun is out. So, good times February. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, that's all I had for this one. Do you have anything else?
0: no nah, hope you liked it um, hope you a stuck feedback, around. leave a review we haven't
1: asked for reviews in a long time leave us a review please we're not getting any on Apple and we're not ranking on Apple we as we check this
0: I want us to break 50 on Spotify, Spotify. we haven't done 50
1: yet we got 42 yeah, we well if we have 50 total we got 42 on Spotify and then we have 11 on Apple true I don't know what's the
0: split what, if you're listening, what are you listening on? Are you mostly listening Spotify? On Spotify? Mm-hmm. Mostly. It's mostly. I mean, Spotify. I figure
1: it's the majority. But. 50% is Spotify. Or that's like 60% because there's like 30% Android and web users. And then there's 30% on Apple who are listening to the Spotify app on Apple. Whoa. Yeah. Wild.
0: According so yeah, to our metrics, out. but yeah. Help us out. Uh, if you like it, you want us to get more attention.
1: Look, even if you don't listen on Apple Music, and you have an Apple device, sign into Apple Music, find our podcast, <laughs> and leave a review. Yeah.
0: And say uh, things. Say nice something. Things, I, things, I don't even care. Say whatever you want, but just like actually mm-hmm. write something because that's fun for us to read. Yeah. Don't just like do five stars
1: and just kind of dip.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It can be emojis. I'm mm-hmm. okay with that too. If it's just straight emojis. Cucumber squirt. <laughs> uh, someone's gonna do that now somebody's actually gonna give, like five stars cucumber swore awesome great
1: uh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right then all right everyone thanks for listening we'll see you next time see ya